Welcome to the Financial Coaches Network, a show to help financial coaches build and grow successful coaching businesses by focusing on the three pillars, getting clients, working with clients, and running the business. I'm Garrett Philbin, financial coach, accredited financial counselor, certified money coach, and founder of the 4,000 Person Strong Financial Coaches Community Facebook group. And I'm Joshua Escalante Troche. I'm a tenured professor, a serial entrepreneur, a certified financial planner, and I run a nonprofit organization that provides financial planning resources to over 100,000 families each year. So get that pen and paper ready or open up the notes app on your phone. It's time to build your ideal coaching business. Hi, everyone. Well, what we're going to dive into today is what are best practices when asking for client referrals from friends and family. We won't talk as directly to trying to get friends and family to become clients themselves. Right. So this is more having conversations with friends and family about getting them to refer people to you. So just so we make that distinction, this is going to be a fun one to dive into. I'm thinking, you know, when I first started out, I, gosh, how did I go about thinking six years ago? I didn't actually have any practices for asking for client mm-hmm. referrals from friends and family. I just kind of like told them I was doing this thing and I think crossed my fingers and hoped that they would magically send people my way. How Where did that work out? Uh, like, not great. Harry I mean, Potter level magic uh, or like documentary. More like Buffy the Vampire Slayer uh, level magic. Like, a lot of magic. To a be lot honest. of magic, but like not great production value, but that's Got a it. conversation for another day. Yeah, it didn't go great. I mean, I do, I actually did get a couple of friends who ultimately became clients, but Mm -hmm. that was more so because I was having conversations with them directly. I think there was one that I put on a newsletter and then she heard enough where she's like, oh, I might actually need this, but that was the only time it happened. So I never really have had a process or any kind of best practice, certainly in the early years. Um, and now I've kind of moved away from that where my clients come from Yelp or financial advisors. So I never really got this put into place. So I'm excited for this conversation and to have some back and forth around what these best practices might be. And just for clarity, what we're talking about today is how do we ask friends and family to find other people to be your clients, not to be your clients yourself. And that's a, that's going to be a key thing. Number one asking them to be your clients yourself is uncomfortable for a lot of people for a lot of reasons. It's uncomfortable for them for a lot of reasons. And it's very much a situation where you may not be the best coach for your friends and family because of the same reason why doctors don't operate on family members, same reason why lawyers don't represent family members you know, you're, you're dealing with things where your objectivity isn't really going to be ideal. I'm not saying that no one should ever coach friends and family, but just realize that you may not be the best coach for your friends and family. Great point. All of that being said, let's talk about how to go about just the, the basics of the process. And the first thing is you can't talk to them about coaching. No one sits around talking about their budget. No one sits around talking about their APR on their loans. It's not something that's a natural conversation. So if you come to someone and say, hey, I think you should find people who have financial needs and 
come to me for co- have them come to me for coaching because I can help them with their budget and with their debt pay down. That is not a conversation that opens up a real plethora of ideas of, oh, I know some people that I can refer you to. Instead, what you really need to, you need to, number one, have a niche and you need to identify. Yep. I'm a drink. Yeah. That's the game. And you need to identify what are those needs that your niche has that you can address. And that's what you want to focus on. Uh, Number one, the more focused you have of a niche, the more you can express and be really, really clear. Right. I see a lot of people say, oh, well, I want my niche to be people who are, 20 to 50, right? Got it. That's not a niche. That's a description of an age range that you think could possibly pay you, right? People will say, you know, I have a niche that is, I want my niche to be people who have student loan debt. It's a little bit better. At least it narrows it some, but it's still really, really broad. Right. The more specific you can make your niche, the more likely you are to get referrals from friends and family. And the reason why is your friends and your family, they need to understand who it is you serve and they need to be able to visualize an actual human being. And it's really hard when you say, I help all human beings right. to, for them, because that asks a lot of their brains, may be busy with work, they may have kids, they may be thinking about a million other things. And so it it's hard for us to think of a specific person when we have 7 billion people or probably a little bit less in our own personal network, but when yeah. we have so many people to be able to choose from. Yeah. If I were to say, I want you to think, like conjure a picture in your mind of a human. There's probably no detail to, you probably have like this amorphous shape of a human with actually no facial expressions in your facial features in your mind. Or you might be thinking of like Michelangelo's human drawing, right? If I were to say to you, think of a picture of, have a picture of your mind, in your mind of your mom. You probably have a much, much more detailed person. (laughs) Yes. Right. And at the same basic idea, when we think about, find, you know, do you know anyone who struggles with money? It's such a broad concept that they're going to have a real hard time identifying actual people, right? They're going to have this sort of amorphous, vague idea. Whereas the more specific you are, do you know of anyone who went to law school? That's so funny. I was literally just thinking of an example of someone who went to law school. (laughs) We hang around each other way too much, man. Sorry, keep going. (laughs) Yeah, went to law school, has at least $140,000 in student loan debt has an income of at least $80,000, is working in uh, public law, and is living in a not a major city, right? Well, if the person knows that as someone that fits that criteria, they're going to think about that exact person, (laughs) right? There's no ambiguity. There's no vagueness. It's literally, oh, that is John, right? And then from there, we've got a, you've got a much higher chance of the person referring you because we're talking about John. We're not talking about people. Right. Yeah. I was thinking, talking about John, not blob. Exactly. Much better. Blob is much better. We'll edit that in to have me say it. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. The joys of having post-production. It's literally magic. 
so yeah, so that's the first thing is you need to be able to describe very specifically who you serve. And if you can't do that, then the first step is just absolutely out the window, right? Because the first step is you need to have people think of actual people, right? You, you can't have, I can't refer the idea of a person to you, right? I have to refer an actual person to you. So we have to get them to think about actual people in their lives. And we get that it is scary at first to think of oftentimes when we go through this exercise as newer coaches, it's like, oh my God, I can think of all the people who then wouldn't be able to be referred to me is where our mind goes. Like how many humans or blobs wouldn't be able to be referred to me. And totally like there, that is true that the vast number of people would then not fit that category. But again, the vast number of those people like would not be thought of under that example because they wouldn't come to mind. Again, if it's just, I help people with money, A, they won't come to mind and B, your process likely won't be built around them. So you wouldn't even be the best coach to serve them necessarily either. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of think of it as, would you rather have 0.001%? What's your favorite pie? Oh man, gluten-free cobbler. Oh God. I know. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm one of those guys. It's not right. just because of the health benefits. So I don't feel terrible. <laughs> so point zero, would you rather have 0.01% of, of, of that pie? Or would you rather have 100% of a pie that doesn't exist? Rather a 0.5% of the pie. But if we oh, have to go to this pie. example, 0.01, you know, at that point, I'm just smelling the pie and then I get hungry and I don't actually get to enjoy the pie. But yes, I Fair get enough. your example. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's really important that we don't, we don't allow the temptation of, I could get more of what is ultimately nothing to distract us from the benefit of actually at least getting something client-wise, right? Referral-wise. And look, this isn't saying that friends and family would never send you any living, breathing human if you didn't have a niche. It has happened. Mm -hmm. It will continue to happen. But I also think the, in the long run, the upside of that is a whole lot less, especially because you could get someone who struggles with money as a college kid at 20, or you could get someone who is near retirement and doesn't have enough saved. And those are very different people with very different needs of which may not fit your expertise, your coaching program or process. And I would argue that it's less likely that you're going to get someone mm-hmm. mainly because if you go into the financial coaches community on Facebook and do a search for friends and family, mm-hmm. you are not going to see a lot of posts of people talking about how their friends and family sent them referrals. Most of the posts are my friends and family say they're going to support me, but they never actually send me anyone, <laughs> right? Yeah. That's the post that you see over and over and over again, right? That's the comment that you see over and over and over again. Good point. Uh, so, well, yes, it absolutely could happen. It's much more likely that it won't. Just looking at people's actual experiences out of 5,000 community members. Okay, so now we've got that. Now the person can visualize the individual, right? Your friend or family can visualize, okay, this is who we're talking about. Now they need to have a reason to actually send them out, Mm -hmm. right? So as an example, Garrett, I have a person, I work with them all the time. They are amazing at what they do. You totally, totally could use this benefit. I know you could use this benefit. 
They are incredible at creating very complex estate plans. And I'd like to get you hooked up with that person. I'm not sure if that's what I need right now. There we go. You, you don't have kids. You don't have assets that would require a complex estate plan. You don't have a desire for a trust. Why are you even mentioning this to me? Yeah. Right. And that's really, really important to see is that it's not just that they can visualize the person, it's that they can identify how you're going to help them, not because I can help everyone because everyone needs help with finances, but because they have a the actual problem that you can solve. Mm-hmm. And so just like you have to be able to very clearly define who it is you serve, you need to be able to very clearly define what it is that you do. Yeah. And I do a six month program to help people get uh, control of their money, right? That brand statement from your website. Yeah. That is not going to do it. Right. You know, I, why not? The reason why is because those brand statements generally talk mostly about what you do and not what the other person needs. Yep. Right. If on the other hand, you had just had a couple of kids and I said, you know, I've got this person, they're really good. They, they're excellent at thinking through how to make sure that if anything happens to you, your kids are taken care of, that you've thought of all the incidences, uh, so on and so forth. You are much more likely, or you have a friend that just had a couple of kids, we we're talking about referrals, sorry. You are much more likely to refer that person to them because that person, number one, needs it. And number two, Well, actually, let's get to the third point. And the third point is it is you need this thing to be about something that people talk about, Hmm. which is just because your friend or family knows a person that fits into your niche, just because that person has the need that you solve. If they don't talk about that, then your friend or family is not going to know that they have the need or they're going to be guessing that they have the need. No matter how valid that guess is, it's still a guess and it feels uncomfortable bringing it up, especially around topics like money, right? How comfortable would you be going up to your friend and saying, hey, I know you don't really talk about this, but I'm pretty confident that you are just crappy with money. You are a horrible spender. You are buried in debt. And I'll be honest with you. If it wasn't for the fact that you've got parents that lend you money every once in a while, I'm pretty sure you would be homeless and destitute right now. How comfortable would you be having that conversation with someone? Except for one or two friends who I could josh with, probably not very comfortable. Yeah. And that's the the reality is this is sensitive topics. And no matter how people approach it, no matter how, say it in a much better way than I said it for comedic value, right? The reality is, everyone has a sensitivity related to their money. It's why financial is partially why financial coaches are needed, (laughs) right? So everyone has a sensitivity related to money and no one wants to be guessing. No one wants to be talking with someone where they can be perceived as casting judgments on the other person. So the thing that you talk with your friends and family about what you do to help has to be something that's related to something that they talk about. Got it. Well, we had a launch office hours this morning and Mm -hmm. one of the people who was on was talking about how her ideal niche was like adventure couples 
couples yes. who like love adventure and love to travel. And one of the things that you brought up was um, kind of focusing a program around how you could solve a specific need. And you were just like, yeah, one of those needs could very easily be these couples who want to travel more, but don't want, but want to be able to save up in advance. So it doesn't have to go on a credit card. Right. And so that could be it. You know, I help people take that trip. Yeah. Right. To figure out how to save up for that big trip they've always wanted to. Right. And they may not say, Hey, I'm taking a trip and we're about to go in debt because of it. Like right. people may not be that open about the specific financial status they may be, but at least if they talk about the actual thing, like, Oh, we're thinking of taking a trip or we're doing this. Like how, I guess my question is, is there a way to understand yeah. in that so example? Yeah. So let's use that example and let's talk about the phrasing that I would use with friends and family. Cool. And that is, so, you know, in this example, I'm going to help people, you know, it's going to be a short-term program designed specifically to help people put a plan together to make sure that they can take this trip, right? So that when they want to take this trip, they can. So if you happen to know anyone who is hoping or wishing that they could take a trip, you know, is talking about a trip that they want to take, not that they're going to take, mention that, that this is what I do so that if that's the thing that they're, that they're struggling with, I can help them, right? So notice, I didn't say they're struggling with saving up or the credit card debt. It had nothing to do with that. I said, hey, if you know anyone who, wants, who has a trip that they want to take, mm-hmm. right, that they talk about wanting to take a trip, I might, if, I might be able to help them if money's one of the challenges that's keeping it from happening. And that is a much more likely conversation that people are going to have with their friends. Oh man, we heard about this amazing trip and, you know, we'd really love to be able to take it. I don't think it's going to happen, but we'd love to be able to take it. That's a conversation people will have. Right. Or they're like, yeah, we, we wanted to take it this year, but we'll probably have to push it to next year just because work out. Yeah. That's an opening. Yeah. And sometimes they'll mention that the reason why is money. Oftentimes they won't. But if you phrase it from the perspective of what they're going to talk about, which is the trip, not the money, that connection between the person, the need, and the person has the need, right, is much easier to be made in the friends and family's mind. And as a result, you're much more likely to have the conversation. Got it. Yeah. Let's do one last best practice. Let's do it. All right. And that is, let's say that I said, Garrett, you know, I happen to know someone that could really use your services. Yep. Okay. Names, Jane, amazing person, works in, I don't know, Atlanta, Georgia, who knows, blah, 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 blah. And I kind of identify she's in your niche, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. So I just told you that. What are you going to say to me? How are you going to take advantage of the fact that I've just said that I know someone? Oh, good question. Would I jump immediately to the, oh, that's amazing. Um, how could, do you feel comfortable putting me in touch so I can connect with her? Is that too quick of a leap? Or is it asking for more about her particular situation? See it going a couple of different ways. So the best scenario that you can get is Hey, would, uh, why don't you send the two of us an email, right? That way I can, you can introduce me. I can ask you, uh, I can ask them about their needs and kind of let them know, and then they can make a decision of what they want to do. Right. Yeah. 
this does a few things. Number one, don't ever let someone say, hey, I'll give you their information. I'll give them your information because it's not going to happen. <laughs> you right? want to be able to be in the driver's seat of that communication. Yeah. And so the, um, you know, when, when you, when they say, oh, I'll get, you know, when you say, hey, give them my information, I'd love, here's my card or here's my thing. There are two big point places where people are going to, that, where this, that is going to fall apart. The first one is the person forgets to send the information and you never know that they forgot. Mm-hmm. The second one is the other person doesn't reach out. And it is exceedingly common that that is going to be the result, right? That, that you're never going to hear from the person either because the referral got busy with life or because the other person didn't reach out. When you ask to be put on an email with the two of you, number one, you know whether that reach out happened and you can follow up with the person. Hey, yeah, I, I didn't see the email. Just know you're busy, just wanted to follow up to, to help this person. Or if they, you know, if they, if you found out they didn't need the help after all, right. You know, no worries. Right. So it can be done in a non-aggressive way, right. But it allows you to a week later, two weeks later, follow up. Right? Yeah. The other thing is it feels a lot more comfortable to the referrer then you saying, oh, great, can you give me their contact information? And if you happen to have their social security number, go ahead and write that down too, right? It feels a little bit weird. Right? Well, it's just their reputation is a little bit on the line. You know, mm-hmm. if they refer out and you turn out to be somebody who just hounds them and they aren't aware of that, you know, it allows them to be present to how you follow up in the conversation as well. Yeah, it, well, that was going to be another thing exactly, um, is that it it allows you to be, it allows them to see the follow-up conversation so that it, they can feel like they can protect the other person a little bit, right? Yeah. Um, but it also means it's, you know, you haven't, the referrer hasn't gotten permission from the other person to give out the email address. Mm-hmm. So most people are going to feel uncomfortable. Even if they do it, they're going to feel uncomfortable about it, yeah. right? Um. And so for all of these reasons, it's, it, it's really good to just say, hey, let's get on an email. It doesn't have to be long. Just say, you know, just send them an email and say, hey, I want to introduce the two of you. This person helps people take trips, right? Yeah. Um, and so you can and, and kind of just build it that way. Yeah. Uh, but you, you don't want to just leave it up to the other person, to the referrer, right? You want to have a little bit of um not control but a little bit of transparency and uh sight lines into what that process looks like and it's less work for you if you know that the other per- or that your point of contact is going to make the introduction then you know to follow up with them versus like you said you don't know whether to follow up with that point of contact or the person who's actually being referred then it would be i mean you don't even have that other person's contact information necessarily so it just makes it a lot clearer you know, what yeah. the next steps are or aren't. Yep. Yeah. And, you know, I have some referral relationships that are pretty good, pretty strong with, with other professionals. And I will tell you, even with professionals, um, the ones where they say, oh yeah, I'll send them your contact information. 
right? And I don't get this combo email, um, I'll almost never actually follow through on it. Yep. You know, people are busy and yeah, it's ultimately in our interest, right? To want that connection to happen. So I think it also does fall on us to yeah. do as much as we can to make it easy for the other person to, to put us in the driver's seat for it too. Yeah. And once zombie apocalypse ends, yep. right? If you're in the same town as them say, Hey, that'd be great. I'd love to buy both of you coffee. Mm. Right. Um, and, and, you know, just get to know the person, you know, it, you know, so that it's, you actually get a face-to-face conversation with them. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Financial Coaches Network podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe so you'll be the first to know when a new episodes are released and it helps iTunes and Stitcher and everyone else know that you like the podcast so it recommends it to other people. And if you can think of one person, either a financial coach or someone aspiring to be, who would connect with and be helped by what we talked about today, share it with them as well. And if you're ready to build a successful financial coaching business, FCN has turnkey resources to help you get clients, work with those clients, and run your business efficiently. Head to financialcoachesnetwork.com backslash start here. Thank you again for listening, and we'll catch you on the next episode of the Financial Coaches Network podcast.